Hi, this is Candy McNeil, host of Open Minds. I am today at our very unique event at the University of Guelph. This is the Body Image and Eating Disorder Expose. It is dedicated to uh, educating people and uh, getting rid of stigmas and myths around eating disorders. I'm going to talk to some people today and get their thoughts about eating disorders generally, mental health stigma um, as well, and uh, see what they have to say. So I'm here today with April Gates, who is the program coordinator for the Eating Disorders Program at the Homewood Health Center. She is my former boss and ongoing colleague and friend. Uh, she has a table here at the Body Image and Eating Disorder Expose at the University of Guelph. And I just thought I would take a couple of minutes to ask her a couple quick questions. The first one is just sort of around some of the most common myths or misconceptions that you think exist around eating disorders. I think that many people have a tendency to look at eating disorders through an anorexic lens. Uh, they have the misconception that people with eating disorders are ultra thin uh, or have lost a great deal of weight. And I've had many patients tell me that some of the sayings that people have said to them are, you don't look like you have an eating disorder or you're too big to have an eating disorder. Um, so we know that eating disorders come in all shapes and sizes. And uh, a person can suffer with anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, or binge eating disorder. People, so it's all different shapes and sizes. What's another myth or misconception that you think is out there about eating disorders? I think um, uh, it's a misconception that eating disorders exclusively affect girls or uh, teenagers in particular. And we know for a fact that one in six sufferers is male. And at Homewood Health Center, we have up to 30% of our uh, clientele coming in over the age of 30 now or even 35 so um, this belief can prevent uh, older, older people or uh, certainly males from seeking help, seeking treatment. A little while ago, I was speaking to somebody who was here from Outline, and she was saying that that same stereotype and myth often keeps gay men from coming forward, right, or keeps transgendered people from coming forward because they think this is just a teenage girl disease, right? And that is, that's really far from the truth, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Very much so, yeah. So you, uh, one of the other events that you put on besides coming in and supporting this one is something called Faces of Recovery, where you have uh, people who are in recovery or family members come and talk about their experiences. And in the past, I know you've tried to get a really diverse range. You've tried to get guys to come and talk. And can you tell people just a little bit about what they'd expect if they came to that event, which is coming up next week, I think, right? I think that's coming up on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday, February the 5th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Best Western on Gordon Street. And uh, this is a, um, an event that's free of charge and there's free parking there. And uh, we welcome everyone to come out. Um, uh, this year we have a male speaking. We have a father of a daughter with uh, an eating disorder and uh, three women who are going to share their recovery stories. And we've had feedback um, in the past that it's the personal stories coupled with the educational information that's presented that evening that is so impactful. And uh, we have um, some people from different agencies, uh, service providers who will also be sharing information about what they do in the community. And uh, it's, it's a very resourceful kind of evening and invite everybody to come out.
I certainly have had clients who have told me that um, it really opened their eyes hearing stories from like a peer um, as opposed to just reading something factual that that really has made a difference. And I can also say as a clinician, even though I've been doing this for a long time, often I still hear something that I'm like, oh, right, I never thought about it that way. Or, you know, the way the dad put that, like that's something that I should remember when I'm doing family therapy going forward. So one of the things that um, I've mentioned before is that I think this is such a great event if you're somebody who's struggling, if you care about somebody who's struggling, or if someday you hope to go into this field, right? So you're a student, you want to be a social worker. Yeah, we've had dietitians come out, um, uh, students who are in, in nutrition services at the university, of course. Uh, we've had even people who run club gym clubs. And I think that, that just the more people who understand it at a really um, accurate level as opposed to the, the myth kind of level, the more help they can offer, right? April, those are such um, amazing events, and you have been doing that Faces of Recovery for so long. <laughs> this is the 11th uh, annual event, yeah. And, um, and really, I just love and admire your passion for this and how you go above and beyond what you have to do for the job and, and instead come to events like this or put on faces. I think those are tremendously beneficial. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you very much, Candy. Appreciate it. So some of the patients in an eating disorder program put together a board and they have uh, three pieces. I hope I'm describing this well. One are things please don't say because um, these things are not helpful. April, would you read some of those for me? What are some of the things that people should not say to someone who's struggling? You're too big to have an eating disorder. Look at him. He's so fat. You know, I wish I had an eating disorder. I need to lose weight. Oh, I could strangle people when I hear them say that, you know strangle them without killing them but strangle them <laughs> you're naturally thin why would you want to lose weight it's great to see you gaining weight again why is it that clients don't like to hear that <laughs> i wonder why <laughs> you used to be so pretty before you lost weight isn't that a girl's problem isn't that a teenager's problem you've lost so much weight what's your dieting secret Oh my, like, could you imagine if we ever said that to somebody who was undergoing chemotherapy, right? Like, oh, I wish I had cancer and could go through chemotherapy so I could lose weight. Tell me some of the things they have one here that says, why not? So this is like, why not have an eating disorder, right? Having an eating disorder is not a choice. Talking about numbers, be it weight, sizes, measurements is very triggering. Eating disorders are not about vanity. They are coping mechanisms. Eating disorders come in one size, miserable. I love that one, right? Thin, large, something in the middle, whatever that is, you're miserable with all of it. How about this is helpful? What are some of the things that somebody struggling with an eating disorder would benefit from hearing or find helpful to hear from their family and friends? I'm happy to see you getting stronger. You're so strong, you can overcome anything. I admire how hard you are working to recover. Your laugh is music to my ears, and it's so nice to see you smile again. I love spending time with you. You seem so much happier, and you are such an awesome person. Right? And so all things that are not just really appearance-focused, but go beyond that, things about deserving to be well. One person said, I don't understand what you're going through, but I care, and I want to support you any way I can. And I think it's totally okay to admit that. Like, if you don't have an eating disorder, maybe you don't get it, but that doesn't mean that the person who's struggling is imagining it or doesn't deserve help or your support. So this is awesome. What a great thing for, um, for your clients to contribute. And um, I hope that their words of inspiration and their words of, like, stop 
stop saying this, um, will be heard by some people listening today and maybe make a difference for other people. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Candy. Next, I'm talking to Erica and Emily, um, who are both here students at the University of Guelph. Um, they are here visiting the Body Image Exposé, uh, Eating Disorder Exposé. And so I just wondered if I could ask you, like, just your own personal thoughts about eating disorders. When you think of eating disorders, what you think of, what myths or stereotypes or stigmas you think there are um, that you've heard people say. Any thoughts on those? Sure. Well, a lot of people don't realize that eating disorders... Um, is as much a mental illness as any other mental illness. And so it can be treated, and it's not always that person's fault. Fine, that's one of the biggest stigmas that I hear. I could not agree more, absolutely. So I guess one of the things I've noticed is that there, people are more willing to recognize eating disorders that make women thin versus the ones where maybe people are a little bit more overweight and not necessarily recognize that as an eating disorder. And somehow um, if you're overeating or if you have a medical condition that makes you overweight, that's something that you should be able to control more than if you're anorexic and striving to be super skinny because there's just, there's different mindsets behind those two. So I think that's something I've really kind of seen is just the, the, the vast differences between the mindsets of what an eating disorder is. Apart from the shame that that would add to people, what's so ironic about that is that anorexia is actually the least common kind of eating disorder, right? Like that happens least frequently. The, the emaciated, starved teenage girl is not the average eating disorder, right? And yet that really is a lot of what people think about. Um, do you, have either of you known anybody who struggles or um, know anybody who feels like, oh, I wouldn't want to tell that I struggle with an eating disorder or any other mental health issue because they feel like they're going to be judged? Absolutely. Actually, uh, is struggling with an eating disorder, uh, also depression as well, and they sort of go hand in hand with her. It's both a coping mechanism uh, and a stress reliever. Uh, and she is quite shy about it and won't really talk to me about it, um, even though she knows that I know. It's, it's a hard situation. Emily, just for a second to go back, you were saying one of the myths is, you know, this idea that um, people don't recognize it as a mental illness. Do you think your friend sees it as a mental illness or do you think she blames herself or thinks she should be able to just like stop it or knock it off? I think she rec recognizes it as a mental illness now. Um, it's been a while for her. It's been a long struggle. And at the beginning, uh, she definitely felt shameful for sure. Uh, and even it expanded to other things like just like going to the gym a little more than usual, stuff like that. Uh, it was a very long journey for her. I'm glad that she's um, recognizing that though now and hope that means that maybe she'll decide to get treatment. As a therapist, I um, quickly found that almost no one who comes to see me has just an eating disorder. It is very often an eating disorder and OCD or an eating disorder and depression, an eating disorder and PTSD, right? Like so often it doesn't, it doesn't come alone. Um, is there anything in particular that brought the two of you to this event or, or sort of gave you like, is it just your friend's experience or is there something else about this topic that really speaks to you? Uh, my friend's experience for sure. Uh, I'm interested in community mental health in general and I took a third year class on that this year. Uh, and I think that that's something that I'd like to pursue uh, in the future career wise. 
So I guess what brought me here was um, just the idea that everybody is okay. I've been seeing a lot of stuff on Facebook um, for fat shaming, for thin shaming, for pregnancy shaming, for women shaming. And that's frustrating. That's something that shouldn't be happening in this world. So if I have a chance to kind of promote just healthy body positivity, why not? <laughs> Well, and my last question was going to be, you know, is there any um, thing that you wish to get out there, you know, or that you would want to say? And maybe that's part of it, right? That, like, we, like, let's stop shaming, period, right? Like, whatever your body is like, whatever color you are, whatever age you are, whatever size you are, right? Like, maybe we don't have to shame that. But is there some other thing that you, you know, if there's one thing you could convey to people who are listening that you would want to get across? I think uh, to stop shaming, absolutely. That's sort of where my mindset was going. Uh, and just acceptance, more or less. Like, you shouldn't be afraid to accept uh, a problem or accept who you are. And uh, you should pass that on to everybody that you know. So I guess just um, for me, it would be compassion. Love yourself, love others. And if you see somebody who's struggling, be open to hearing about their experiences non-judgmentally. Just talk to them about it. Find out what's going on in their life, why it's going on, and what you can do to help them and support them if they need it. Thank you both for being willing to do this. I appreciate it. And so next I'm speaking with Shawnee and Emma, who are both placement students with Women in Crisis. They also have a table set up at the Eating Disorder and Body Image Exposé here at the University of Guelph. And um, so we're going to talk to them for their thoughts about eating disorders. Time in eating disorder actually has an underlying cause, and that can be a person who has suffered violence or some type of trauma in their life, and the disordered eating is more a symptom of that, not necessarily trying to look a certain way. I think that is completely true, right, that it, it's often not for superficial reasons, but something much deeper underneath and kind of a coping strategy. Yep, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree as well. And I think a lot of times um, when you think of somebody with an eating disorder, you imagine somebody who's thin to the point of sickness. And a lot of the time, people with eating disorders look, they look normal. They just look like a normal average person, but really they're, they're um, not, not doing very well. And again, you know, actually we've heard this before today that that, that comes up over and over that you think um, starvation or you think um, emaciated when you think eating disorders, but in fact people can come in all shapes and sizes. Um, I hate to think how many people have um, not come forward with treatment because they don't want to hear like, oh, you don't look like you have an eating disorder, right? Um, what do you think the overlap is, if any, between um, abuse or trauma um, and eating disorders? Do you know why those things are linked? I think a lot of it has to do with control. So trauma or abuse often takes your control away from you and um, controlling what you eat or when you eat or what not to eat is one of the few ways you can be in control of some small element of your life again. So it, it tends to take over. And there are lots of women who report that, right? Feeling like, at least I'm in control of my body or, or at least I'm in control of my food. Anything that you would add about that? Yes, actually, um, sexual abuse has been linked with eating disorders as well. And one of the things that happens with that is that a woman may starve herself to try and minimize the size of her breasts or the size of her body to make herself less sexualized as almost a way, a protective mechanism to feel as if she's not attractive to men. So therefore, she's less susceptible to abuse, which we all know is unfortunately not true. If there's one myth or misconception about eating disorders that you would like to challenge, do you have any thoughts about what that would be? There's often a lot of focus on anorexia and bulimia and not a lot of focus on binge eating disorder and other things. So you may see somebody who is harming their body in a different way or someone who's quite large. And again, like you had mentioned, they don't look at them and assume they have an eating disorder. So I think that 
you know, there should be less focus on the specific subsets of eating disorders and more on disordered eating in general? Not a lot of treatment that focuses on the underlying trauma. A lot of it focuses just on the symptom, which is the eating disorder. But um, in cases where trauma has been the motive for the eating disorder, the eating disorder serves sort of a purpose and it's protective. So you have to really deal with both in order to fix the problem. I love that. Um, and I would agree with that. I, going back to for a second what you were saying, Shawnee, about the piece about body size, um, I think that um, we, we tend to look at people who are bigger and be like, what's wrong with you? And look at people who are smaller and be like, oh, no, you need help, right? As opposed to realizing that each could be damaging, each could be problematic, and, and no matter what the outward appearance, they both need help. And as you mentioned, I mean, with the um, underlying issues as well. One last thing before I let you go, um, you two brought some really interesting um, um, props with you today. So I'm just going to describe for people who are listening that you brought um, these punching bags, essentially. And so I'm going to read a couple of things from them, if I can. Um, it says things like ugly and fat ass and not good enough. And on this one, it says, oh, you would be so pretty if and um, you're never good enough. What gave you the inspiration for this? Because I think it is so creative. I loved it when I saw you carrying it in. Um, we were just looking for a way to get people interactive with the topic, and we were both feeling like all of these words and all of these shame pieces that you hear constantly from society, from the media, you, you just want to punch them out. You know, I mean, you just want to get rid of them and say, no more, I'm not going to listen to that. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, body positivity and empowerment is almost like an aggressive thing, like... I'm going to like my body. And so this was just sort of like an extension of that, you know, like punching away these awful negative things we hear all the time. I love that. I never would have thought of it. I absolutely love it. I want to thank you both for being willing to do this. Thanks so much for being willing to be interviewed. Our pleasure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. So I'm talking today with Liz Martin, who is here from Outline. Tell us first a little bit about Outline, what it is, what you guys do. Certainly. Um, Outline's a really great organization. Um, we are part of the Center for New Students and Student Life, and our main focus is providing peer support to people with concerns about sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, we're a sex-positive organization, um, and we're also a body-positive organization, of course. Um, so all of our peer support comes from volunteers who've had coming-out experiences themselves. You get to speak to someone who's been there. And also we're confidential and anonymous, so um, people can feel safe accessing our services knowing that what they share won't be shared outside of that conversation. That's awesome. So today you have a booth here at the Body Image and Eating Disorder Expose. Can you talk a little bit about um, the issue of body image or eating disorders as it relates to the queer community? Certainly. Um, I think body image is a little more complicated sometimes for folks in the queer community. Um, certainly intersections of identities can make those issues more complicated. Um, but when it comes to queer and trans people specifically, I know that for gay men, they tend to experience more body dissatisfaction than do straight men. Um, there's a lot more emphasis on their bodies and the way they look. Um, the white, muscular, slim, male, um, even blonde hair, that's an image that often is evoked when we think of gay men. And that's a pretty hard standard to live up to, especially for queer men of color, trans men, um, you know, that becomes very difficult. Um, I think with respect to trans men, it's difficult to live with the experience of gender dysphoria. And when they're living as women, they're often pressured to behave in ways that are very feminine. Um, that can make it hard to love your body. And then as you transition, there's a lot of pressure to be as masculine as possible and everything that that entails. Um, so that's difficult. Likewise, for trans women, um, 
you know, when they're transitioning, they're pressured to be extremely feminine and be thin and all of those, those things that come along with that. When it comes to queer cis women, um, I know that they, they are fed the same messages about women's bodies that straight women are. And that's hard enough on its own, but there's also this tendency within the lesbian community to um, resist and be like, no, I'm, that's not for us and that shouldn't affect us. So they don't feel like they should be impacted by those same body image concerns. And that can make it very difficult for them to find support in their community if they are struggling with an eating disorder. I would agree with that. So I think certainly there are a number of people who feel like even an extra level of shame, right? Like if I'm opting out of some of the other, like more traditional things, I should also be able to opt out of caring so much about my body image. And then they feel almost like they've like doubly failed, right? They've, they've, um, and, and I think you're right. That really makes it hard for a lot of people to come forward. There are stigmas too, I think, that really make it hard for people to come forward. Are there any that you've heard in your work with people? Certainly, um, and, and not just in the queer community, but generally you hear a lot of stigma about eating disorders. People associate extreme thinness with eating disorders when eating disorders can impact anyone of any body shape. Um, they think it's a women's disease. And of course, our society tends to think what's feminine is bad, unfortunately. So when cis men or trans men may be impacted by body image challenges, um, it can be much harder for them to own up to that because we don't want to see that weakness, quote, quote, in men. You make a great point. Actually, uh, statistically, we think that uh, eating disorders affect more women than men, and that may turn out to be true. It could also be that just not as many men come forward because, again, of that double level of shame, right? Um, and that, you know, this is this is a girly disease, right? This is for vain girls who just really want to get a guy, right? And that idea kind of persists sometimes. And I feel like there's a couple layers there, too. Like, women are doing this for men's attention, and I feel like that's it's important to be critical of the way women are always viewed through the male gaze and how we're constantly sexualized. Like, not everything about women is for men. And it just, sometimes it's very frustrating to live as a woman in this world and constantly have that, that level um, and be viewed that way. So I hope that you enjoyed the interviews that I was able to get today at the Body Image and Eating Disorder Expo that was held at the University of Guelph. I think there were lots of fabulous speakers who are clearly passionate on the topic of um, eating disorder recovery and body image dissatisfaction and really trying to challenge those in our culture and instead help people to accept their bodies as they are, accept themselves as they are, and um, seek out treatment if they need it. Um, all of the people who spoke today have uh, links available on my website at whatseatingyou.com if you'd like to get more information about them. Those are Homewood Health Center and Women in Crisis and Outline and maybe another organization or two that I'm forgetting. But by all means, if you'd like to contact them, go and take a look for their information on my website. Um, I'd like to thank all of my guests for their contributions today. If you've missed any part of this or you want to listen again, please visit my website website at whatseatingyou.com, all one word, whatseatingyou.com, and click on the podcast link where you can find this and all previous episodes or subscribe on iTunes. I'd love to hear your thoughts or comments about the show or suggestions for topics you'd like me to cover on upcoming shows. Please send those to my email at openminds at cfru.ca.
That's open minds with an S at CFRU.ca. A disclaimer though, that I will not respond to most emails and definitely not to those asking uh, for help or advice with a specific mental health problem. For those, I strongly recommend that you put aside your fear of stigma and see your doctor, visit the local emergency room, or call your nearest crisis hotline. Thank you so much for listening and please join me again next week here on Open Minds.